2: All right. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. We're going to get to Cam Moon in a few minutes. Always good to catch up with him. The wonderful and entertaining play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels, who we love having on the show. We have uh, opened the door here on uh, the debate about team names. The Washington Redskins have said they will do a thorough review of their team name, and uh, this has put uh, a little more pressure, a little more criticism aimed at the Edmonton Eskimos for their team name. And again, it isn't from everybody, and I'm getting some thoughtful texts on the text line 780-496-0063. That is also the number to call. Carter says, if you have to talk about it, then it's a problem. Change the name and move on. Why does ending racism have to be a debate? Another texter says, I find it offensive that we would be racist towards the Eskimo people and not recognize or celebrate their heritage. If I were of Eskimo heritage, I would be offended if an organization wanted to move away from our name, almost like we weren't good enough. Uh, J.R. writes in, he says, when the same group of people who find the name Eskimos offensive while thinking it's perfectly okay to call myself and my friends ignorant rednecks because we like to wear wranglers, boots, and cowboy hats... Then and only then will I give any consideration to changing the name of a football team. Until then, we have far bigger problems in the world to figure out. JR, if it makes you feel any better, I don't think you're an ignorant redneck, and I appreciate you uh, you texting the show. And you're right, there are bigger problems in the world, but it is a sports show, so we will talk about sports-related topics. Appreciate uh, the text for sure. Kelly says, honestly, I think these kinds of things should be up to the people they affect. From what I can tell, there isn't a large majority – of Inuit or Indigenous people pushing for this name change. It just kind of gets dragged back into the conversation when much more blatantly offensive names come up. Then again, I think it looks a lot better to voluntarily change the name and end up on the right side of history than to be forced. Basically, I'm white and probably pretty ignorant on if the word Eskimo even is a slur, so I don't really think I get to say whether it's right or wrong to change the name. I certainly wouldn't be upset or outraged if they did to uh, decide to change it. That is Kelly texting 780-496-0063. Eric says, if I'm being honest, I think asking for consensus from the northern communities is a bit of a scapegoat. They're going to be asked about this again and again for a long time. We can see how quickly attitudes can shift. I think they launch next year with a new name that also starts with E, and it gives them an opportunity to sell some merchandise. It looks like Washington is going to have no other choice but to change their name. Those are some texts to 780-496-0063. Uh, I've been hosting the show almost seven years. This has come up as a topic off and on for almost seven years. Actually, occasionally I would fill in for Dan the couple of years prior until I got this job full time. And I can remember doing some segments on it then. So I wonder if if eventually there's going to be some fatigue here for the Eskimos organization and ultimately they will wind up changing the name simply so the debate goes away. And and judging from the text line, uh, I mean, I got some people saying, leave it alone. Got some people saying, why worry about worry about it? And, And other people saying maybe it's just time to change the name from my standpoint. Look. I grew up with that being the name. I, I've certainly heard from people who are offended by it, and including tonight, I've heard from, from some people who aren't and some people who claim to be on the text line part of that community. Uh, I get that. I know that there are some very vocal people in that community who are against the name. Ryan Jesperson had a guest a couple of weeks ago. I, I've, I talked to Louis Cardinal several years ago, and he explained why he didn't like the name. Um, I, I wonder if... If you stop cheering for the team because of a team name, well see sports fans are illogical and I include myself in that. so I, I don't know I, I mean if you if you walk away from su- supporting a team because they they simply changed their name, uh, how much did you really love the team? and as I, I am a season ticket holder for the Eskimos and I have been since 1997. If they change the colors, that would bug me more than if they change the name. I I think if they do change it, they go with an E word, they keep the logo, they keep the uniforms, and they just move on with the new word. And they say, you know what? We're not going to have to debate it anymore. That's the name. It's all good. And we're still going to play football. And everything that happened with the franchise is still going to be acknowledged. And I don't think they stop using Eskimos when they refer to the past but they educate people on why it was changed. That that would be, I, I think, my approach if there is a name change down the road. But I, I do fear we're just gonna, that this is just going to keep coming up, and we go in circles, and I'm going to be getting the same type of text over and over again. Uh, And it just won't go away. And I wonder if that, if if anything, prompts the Eskimos to do it. And let's face it, why are the Redskins looking at it? Because FedEx, a big sponsor, is questioning it. The, The Eskimos have not been challenged by sponsors, at least that I'm aware of, and certainly not to that extent. I mean, if there are some big Eskimos or CFL sponsors that start raising flags about the name, then it's probably going to be looked at a lot quicker than it would otherwise. So anyway 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text We're going to bring in Cam Moon My good buddy, play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels Cam, how's it going, old friend?
0: It's going very well How about you there? You got some some, uh, little fires to stamp out tonight, I see
2: uh, I don't. Well, I don't feel that way. I, okay. I am happy to hear from people. I am happy to hear from people. I, I passionate opinions are fine. Uh, I try to demand a certain level of maturity on the text line, even if you uh, are upset. And I think people adhered to that tonight, so I'm, I'm happy to see that. I, I mean, I sometimes I will read a text and I and I will think to myself. I never thought of it that way, I, and I may not even agree with it, but I'm all, that makes me feel good. If someone, if a listener can present something that makes me feel, oh, you know what? I'd never really let my brain go down that avenue. That, I'm always happy.
0: Yeah, I'm always he- good for uh, healthy, educated debate.
2: But, but not, as, I, as I said, yeah. my fear, and I, I don't mean to drag you into this, but my fear is with the Eskimo specifically, we're still having this debate in 2025 and 2030. And maybe they will just, from fatigue, they will decide yep. on a new name. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're right. It, I would think I can't see it changing in, in five years. It's for, like the debate. I would but, think right. it, it would probably still be around, yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we, we wanted to have you on to have a little bit of fun because you were listening last night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cody Jansen, who's our studio operator this evening, with Kellen Kennedy getting some time off, we were talking about Junior B hockey. Oh, baby. And you have texted me and said, well, I'll let you tell you, you called some Junior B hockey early in your career. i got, I got to hear this. So I'm at my
0: second year at Nate. Uh, I played for the Ukes my first year. My second year, I wasn't playing, but I was doing some TV stuff on the side. There was no way I could play and do the TV and go to school. But I was like, I need more experience. Like, I need to do more. And um, a guy I used to work hockey school with, and we played against each other uh, in the Western League, Rob Hartnell, he's from Wetaskiwin, and he's like, well, I think they need a color guy for the Witasquan Iceman radio broadcast. And this would have been, like, ninety two, ninety three. So I did the color for the Witasquan Iceman, and at that time, like, they play in the City League now. But at that time, they played in that Northeast League. So uh, Killam and Wainwright and Vagerville, and back then, I don't know if Lloyd still has a team in that league, but they did then, uh, St. Paul Canadians, you know, like, it's... There was a lot of travel, and you went all over northeastern Alberta, and it was it was great experience in some real old rinks and some really cold rinks, too, but it was a lot of fun because it was getting practical, hands-on experience, and I had no idea what I was doing, and I was just trying to figure it out as I went along, but yes, I, uh, I did some travel in that league. I don't... I think Cold Lake had a team at
2: that time. Well, Cold uh, Lake I, joined while I was covering the league in the okay. early 2000s. And then and the Lloyd Bandits is the junior B team. So I don't know if they, I think they would have been in it when you would have been doing yeah, it though. Yeah,
0: they were. Cause I remember going to Lloyd for sure. Yeah. I didn't think Cold Lake was in then, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that uh, Cold Lake has a team in that league because uh, Cold Lake's a wonderful community. I used to work hockey school up there uh, when John O'Grodnick, John and Mal O'Grodnick used to uh, run a hockey school there in the summer. It was great. Uh, wonderful place to go. So I, I when I heard uh, that he played for Cold Lake, I had a big giggle, and that, that's why I texted you. I was like, Oh my god! I did uh, I did a season of, of radio in that league, and it was a lot of fun. Uh,
2: okay, so that was the Wetaskiwin Icemen, you said. Yeah, but and they're so
0: now they're now
2: playing in the Edmonton City League. Okay, right. But and that was and is, does the radio station still exist there? I don't even know. I think they do. Well, I
0: don't know what it's called now, but back then it was AM fourteen forty
2: in Whatasquint. Well, luckily, luckily, I have a computer right in front of me.
0: Well, even better.
2: Uh, CKJR. Does that sound right? Sure. Owned by. Uh, owned by. I, I, if anybody is listening in Whatasquint, tell me if this radio station is still going and if they're carrying any Junior B hockey or other types of hockey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're still going. Okay. Listen, well, why they don't probably we... Probably would be. Why don't we still... What if you and I got a side gig there doing Junior B games?
0: Why, that would be a lot of fun. I'm a little busy, you know, through the season, as are you, so it might be tough, but I like where your head's at.
2: So, we're... Like, when I covered that Junior B League, some of the games could get a little fight-filled. Did you have that experience? Uh, not re Not, well... I guess it's all relative. You know, I was coming out of the
0: Western League in the late 80s, early 90s. It it was nothing compared to that. So it it seemed tame to me. It depends what you're used to, I guess. Right. It's all relative. It's all relative, exactly. Yeah, that one that seemed like it was a pretty tame league at that time compared to what I had been through. So, yeah. It didn't seem too bad. I'm, I'm sure to uh, somebody that didn't go to many junior games back then, it might have seemed maybe a little bit on the edge. But uh, who knows?
2: Uh, this texter says, uh, hey, Cam Moon, Hartnell is the GM for the Iceman now. Does that sound yeah. right?
0: Yeah, well, he was. He was coach. He was coaching GM up until, like, uh, this past season. I, I still keep in contact with Rob all the time and actually I was at the Iceman um, golf tournament a year ago, their fundraising golf tournament, and I know Rob Rob stepped down just this past season, uh, but he he did a great job there. Uh, Rob Hartnell, he played in the WHL with uh, Lethbridge and Tri-Cities, went on to a minor pro career, and then when he was done playing, went back to Witasquin and, and has done real well uh, in business and uh, with the Iceman. So, Good, uh, real good local guy. Him and I used to work hockey schools together, and he's just—he's uh, a great individual.
2: Sounds like the type of storyteller we'd want on Inside Sports some night. I'm going to jot that down as an idea.
0: Oh, I, hey, his his um, stories and exploits of minor pro hockey in the U.S. in the mid '90s—legendary.
2: Uh, I, well, I, I got to get in touch with him. Hopefully, he would come on the show. That uh, oh, that, sure that is awesome. Come on the show, maybe he's if he's listening now, maybe he'll call in. That'd be a huge bonus. That would be yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, you and I have. Uh, I mean, you and and I love getting your early career stories, but we have never touched on that. That you, while you were going to Nate, you you did games. See, you weren't doing play by play though for the and Icemen. You were the you were the
0: analyst. Yeah, my first play-by-play job was a couple years later when I went to uh, Nanaimo and called games in the BC Junior League and right. worked at the radio station there and helped with the hockey school and did a million jobs because it's junior A and you got to do a bunch of things to make money. So, yeah, my first actual play-by-play gig was in Nanaimo. And to get the gig, so I'd never called a game. So I'd done games on TV as a color guy. I had done games on the radio, went to a task, went as a color guy. So I had, like, no experience calling games. So this job comes open in Nanaimo that I had heard about because this is all pre-internet. I heard about through a guy I'd worked hockey school with. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I got to send something in. Well, I was helping coach a Maple Leaf Athletic Club team, a midget double-A club. And I was like, oh, man, I got to... I'm going to take a little tape recorder, like a little mini cassette tape recorder, and I sat in the stands with Rodeo Roy Stasiak. Uh, Roy was scouting for the WHL. I'd known him forever. Uh, he coached me in Alberta Cup. Uh, still scouting now. And Roy, uh, who had graduated from Nate, you know, many years prior to that, gave me a lot of help. And I called like a couple of periods sitting at the Bill Hunter Arena in the stands. And then from those two periods, I was able to doctor up about four minutes that weren't awful.
2: <laughs> Barely. And that, that got weren't me the job awful. in Nanaimo. That is it. Cam, can you hang on till after the break? Can we bring you back in a couple of yeah, minutes? Yeah, I've been all night for sure. More with Cam, Noon, play, Cam Moon, play-by-play play voice of the Red Deer Rebels when we get back. All right, so the NHLPA will take a couple of days to vote on the return to play protocol on. The CBA extension, maybe returning to the next couple Olympic games. Of course, all signs leading to Edmonton and Toronto being hub cities, and the final two rounds of the playoffs being played right here in Edmonton at Rogers Place. But nothing is officially official yet, and it is indeed an ongoing story. We have an ongoing interview with Cam Moon, the play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels, graduate of the uh, Nate Broadcasting Program Radio and TV, and as he's been telling you, former analyst for the Wataskan Iceman. Of the so they were in the northeastern junior B league now they're in the like the capital league right that's what the Edmonton one is called I do believe yeah yeah capital junior hockey league yes yeah okay well uh, great memories and uh, a few texters uh, saying that they either remember your work or Mike actually says I didn't know that Cam ever did it but uh, yeah now it's on the record buddy now it everybody's is. gonna find your old tapes oh <laughs>
0: what a mess that would be like just uh, a <laughs> A butchering of the game.
2: What do you all think? right, all right. So uh, you know you work for the Red Deer Rebels. It, it is a, a tough time in the sports world. Ron Robinson, the commissioner of the Western Hockey League, was on with staff last week, and you guys want to go October second. But uh, I, I mean, you got to have the fans, right? And I suppose you don't know necessarily how that's going to look. And and you guys get pretty good support there at Red Deer, so hopefully you can get as many people into the rink as as safely possible. I guess uh, about three months down the road.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I know the league would like to start at the beginning of October. I'm I'm not overly optimistic on that, but hopefully um you know, even if we were at and of course it's all going to be dictated as to how the numbers go here in the next few months, but if it was like a 50% even capacity it would be uh workable for Certainly, the majority of the teams in the league. I would think some of the teams that are in the smaller buildings that would be awfully tough. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's uh, it, there's still you know a little bit of time, but I got a feeling that's going to go quick, and and we'll see what happens. But wow, well,
2: what are some of the? I mean, you travel around. What are some of the smaller buildings in the league? What are we looking at?
0: Uh, like Swift Current, I mean, jam packed. It's probably just under three grand. Uh, Prince Albert. Same thing, probably in and around the same capacity. Um, Winnipeg, I mean, they're still their building's not built, so they're playing at the the rink where the U of M plays, and that's my God. I mean, jammed full. That's under two grand, so that's a pretty small building. Those would be the three smallest. Um, you know, even Moose Jaw, like Moose Jaw, still for a town of whatever Moose Jaw is. Forty-five thousand people ish. Um, their building is still close to forty-five hundred. So, I and mean, even at half capacity, that's not too too bad. But uh, yeah, those three would be would be impacted severely, I would think. I mean, if you look at Prince Albert. The last couple of years, I and mean, every time you go in there, if it's not full, it's darn close. So, yeah, that would be a. a a pretty, and same with Swift. I mean, Swift Current's drawn really well. Even you know, the year they won the, the WHL there a few years ago, that was an incredible year. But then after that, they've come upon hard times as far as the wins and losses go. But he's still drawn pretty well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I would be extremely happy to be able to you know, be going to games and being in the ring. Of course, if it's all safe, uh, but... That would be wonderful in the fall if we could actually get back to hockey, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I hope they can do it. And the WHL, the AJHL, um, Well, Richard just texted, don't the Kootenai Ice play in a very small building? Well, that's now the Winnipeg team, Richard, right? That's where yeah. they went from Cranbrook to Winnipeg. But I think yeah. the Kootenai building was pretty small, wasn't it?
0: Uh, it was probably about 4,200 or so. Right. So uh, pretty big for a town of not quite 20,000 in Cranbrook. So it was actually a pretty decent-sized building for them. But, yeah, they've moved. So the ice now play out of Winnipeg. So that's uh, no longer a concern.
2: Cam, always a blast to have you on the show. Thanks for the Wetasquin memories. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. I
0: love it. I can't wait to come in studio. So you let me know.
2: Yes, Absolutely. That thanks. is Cam Moon. This is Inside Sports on 630 chat All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. I had Bob Stoffer on the show earlier. And while we were chatting, I got a text that simply said, why would you break up the best line in hockey over the last three months? And Bob did reference in that interview, and I should... Re- refer to it here that Bob is speculating that when the Oilers get back to action, that the top two lines would be Nugent Hopkins, McDavid and Cassian and Ennis with dry settle and Yamamoto. And of course the texture was referring to the outstanding line of Nugent Hopkins, dry settle and Yamamoto. Why would you break that up? Uh, I I would ask certainly the same question. Now, you know, I understand a lot of times coaches in the NHL talk about pairs. And see, here's the thing. A year ago or a little over a year ago in in last hockey season, we we were talking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins kind of being on a line without consistent wingers. And he was the only threat on the line. Well, the last two and a half months of this season, up until the pause in March, McDavid was more playing that role. Now Cassian obviously had some good games. He was suspended a, a little bit, but you had players have who had, who would have good games, but wouldn't necessarily be able to maintain it. Whereas you have the Drysdale Yamamoto Nugent Hopkins line doing a ton. So I think what Bob is saying is, if you put McDavid and Nugent Hopkins together, say with Cassian. And then you put Ennis with Drysaitl and Yamamoto. It might balance out the top two lines a little bit better. But man, that would be something to break up, uh, to break up Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins. Though I will say this, I would give Ennis a chance in the top six to start the playoffs. He's experienced. He's intelligent. He often makes the right decision with the puck. He can finish. And whichever line it, it is, he's on, I would have him up there. I mean, I, I would leave that dry, subtle, Nugent, Hopkins, Yamamoto line together. I just think it's too dangerous. And I would give Ennis the first try up there with McDavid and Cassian, and see how that goes. Hey, we're actually talking about stuff that could actually happen in games. How cool is that? As we uh, continue to move towards a return to play, again, the Players Association still voting on uh, the return to play and the collective bargaining agreement extensions. And I can also tell you, reported by The Athletic tonight, the St. Louis Blues have canceled their practices that were set for today because of multiple positive tests for COVID-19. This is according to Athletic, not sure on the exact number and obviously the names of the players not being released, but look, hockey players are going to test positive. They got to quarantine them and they got to make sure it doesn't run through more players. So when they do get to the hub cities that uh, they're healthy and then they can be safely in the bubble and, and get playing games, perhaps around August 1st, Toronto is going to be the other hub city. I guess I should still say very likely to find out a little bit more about their bubble. It's our buddy from global Toronto sports guy, Rob Leth. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I uh, just started my vacation and ready for uh, sports to come back, hopefully in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for doing this on on your vacation. We won't uh, keep you for too long, but uh, man, a lot's starting to ramp up. And we'll, we'll start with the National Hockey League and Edmonton and Toronto, I guess we still say on the verge of officially being named Hub Cities. Tell me a little bit about how you think this has played out for the city of Toronto, because... There seem to be so many changes to how the list, to how the cities were prioritized.
1: Yeah, well, I think for Toronto and Edmonton, really, it came down to a process of elimination and not exactly that they they won this whole process, but basically they were the two cities left standing at the end of it. Um, I think you know over the last few weeks um, we heard that Vegas was likely going to be named at least the city for the Western Conference but then there was a a spike in COVID cases there so they were out of the running. Vancouver uh, was was, you know talked about but uh, they got taken out of the process as well so it seemed like it was down to four cities with Toronto and Edmonton along with Chicago and uh, I think Vegas was the other one and you know Edmonton, as you know, hardly has any cases right now compared to everybody else, and Toronto uh, is a bit of a hot spot for Canada, but compared to what we have south of the border, I think it's a better solution for the NHL as far as keeping everybody safe, and it was the only city left in the Eastern Conference, so ideally you want to have one in the Western Conference, one in the Eastern Conference, and they both happen to be in Canada
2: so tell me a little bit about toronto's bubble i mean i can tell you a bit about edmonton's and, and the hotel and the proximity to the rink and all that kind of stuff how is it uh, what are some of the logistics there
1: well obviously in toronto there's no shortage of hotels there's a ton of them and all within you know close proximity of uh, Scotiabank arena so i think you know there's there's people who have concerns about this and rightfully so because you don't want people coming in uh with the virus and spreading it to the community but as far as I can tell, the way they have this bubble situation set up, I don't think there really should be any uh, risk to the public if everyone, you know, follows the the exact guidelines here. Because you're going to have athletes coming in on charter flights, going directly to the hotel, and from the time this starts to the time it ends, ideally every player involved, every staff member involved, will only be in the hotel traveling strictly to the arena and back again and won't have any access to the public. So I think, uh, you know, on paper, if everyone follows these guidelines, uh, I think it should all run smoothly.
2: All right. And uh, diving into the the tournament, whatever it starts, uh, you know, tell me about just the Leafs team that went through some bumps this season. Obviously they made the coaching change. There's been, you know, reports, obviously, about a a positive test to a very prominent player. Just tell me about, about how uh, you see the Leafs shaping up for this.
1: Yeah, it's almost hard to remember uh, what, <laughs> what happened in the NHL season. It's been so long ago now. But as everybody knows, um, you know, the Leafs arguably have the best top six in the NHL uh, comparable to any other team in the league. And when Freddie Anderson's on top of his game, he can be one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL. You just never really know if you're going to get the Freddie Anderson that is on top of his game. I think more than anybody on this team with the concussion issues that Freddie Anderson has had, um, the time off probably helps him more than anybody else as long as there's not a, a lot of rust there in the play series against columbus and talking about positive tests you know the reports are out there that austin matthews did test positive for covid 19 there's no reason to dispute that but uh, you know as long as he didn't get a major you know case a major complications from it he should be recovered in time for this and you know Comparable to any other team, if the Leafs can score and keep the puck out of the net, they have as good a shot as anybody. But I would never say the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup because I've never seen it in my lifetime.
2: <laughs> well, a, a lot of people uh, in that uh, in that boat, obviously. But, uh, I mean, it sounds like the Stanley Cup will be presented on Canadian soil and in Edmonton. So it would be, I mean, obviously from an Edmonton perspective, would, it, we'd love it to be the Oilers, but maybe there's a, a magical run for a Canadian team. I almost automatically said this spring. Rob, talking yeah, about the playoffs. No. I guess I'm going to have to say this late summer and fall.
1: But at the time, it's actually the Well, it's like the, with the baseball playoff. now. It's not hitting back into spring training. It's summer training.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Rob Leth from Global Television in Toronto joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Let's, let's just touch on uh, the Blue Jays, uh, obviously Canada's baseball team, and a severely shortened schedule there. And uh, a lot of I, I feel like of, of the NHL, NBA and Major League Baseball, it sort of has the most questions swirling around it about how it's all going to work and how safe they can keep the players. What's your perspective?
1: Yeah, with baseball, it's different than what they're doing in the NBA, and the NHL, because in, in those leagues, we have the, the quarantine bubbles set up. But for baseball, uh, the plan is for each team to use their home ballpark, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Just got clearance from the federal government to begin their training this weekend at Rogers Centre in Toronto. Still no word if they will be allowed to play their home games there. Some stuff to be worked out, of course, with uh, crossing the border. Every team that comes to play the Blue Jays, of course, has to cross the border. Um, I think it'll get worked out. If not, uh, the Jays will have to play their home games either in Dunedin or possibly share the stadium with the Tampa Bay Rays uh, down in Florida, which is not ideal with the COVID situation there. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting for baseball. I think ideally they wanted to have this set up with uh, quarantines in Florida and Arizona at the spring training sites because there's so many complexes available. But obviously both places have had a huge spike in uh, COVID cases and not uh, ideal places to uh, play out what is a 60-game regular season. So uh, if it can all work out for the Jays, obviously they want to play their games in Toronto Uh, From a fan's uh, standpoint for NHL, NBA, MLB, I don't think it really matters where the games are played because, you know, as a fan, you can't go watch the games at the stadium. uh, For playoff games, you can't gather outside the stadium for, uh, you know, viewing parties. You can't pack the bars to watch the games. So to me, it really doesn't matter where the games are played. To me, it just, the thing that matters most is keeping everybody in these bubbles, keeping them safe and keeping covid out and keeping it from the players spreading it to the communities
2: well we got to talk about the raptors too i mean just over a year ago incredible uh, run to the championship I, I don't mind how the nba is doing it where they are going to quickly finish the regular season and give teams that were just outside the playoff cut line a, a chance to earn their way in and maybe they'd have that little uh, best of two series for the pl- final playoff spot but i mean you got to consider the raptors uh on a very short list of favorites, do you not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, they have their battle tested. They won the championship last year. Obviously, they had Kawhi Leonard, but they they proved a lot of people wrong uh, this year during the regular season with their play and still being one of the elite teams, not only in the Eastern Conference, but all of the NBA uh, and when they get into a series, again, if it comes down to an Eastern Conference final against Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo, they've proven that they can limit what he can do in a series. And you look at the depth of the Toronto Raptors and the players they have coming off the bench in the second rotation. Uh, you know, if they can put it all together, uh, there's no reason why they can't defend their title. All right. Rob,
2: it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We appreciate the updates. It's going to be interesting uh, in about a month when we do get back to actual hockey games, so we'll have to talk then. Thanks for taking time out of your vacation to come on Inside Sports. I do appreciate that. Have a good one, buddy, and enjoy the games when they get rolling.
1: Here's hoping for an oilers leaf stanley Cup final. Can you imagine that?
2: Like, Can you actually imagine that, Rob?
1: It would be so 2020, wouldn't it?
2: It sure would be. Thanks, Rob. That is Rob Leth from Global Toronto checking in on the show tonight. Could you imagine an Edmonton-Toronto Stanley Cup final? Of all the all, I guess if you're in Edmonton, the Oilers could only play three Eastern teams for the Cup. The Canadians, the Senators, the Leafs. The Senators are out of it this year. The Canadians are one of the teams in the tournament because of the modified field because of the expanded field. And and I, I would think of of the possible all-Canadian matchups for the Oilers, whether it's this year down the road, Senators, Canadians, or Leafs, I, I would think it would be most insane against the Leafs. And it would be insane regardless, but I, I, I feel like it would be most insane against the Leafs just because of the Edmonton-Toronto dynamic, the uh, Alberta, Ontario dynamic, and so many Leafs fans living in Western Canada and the McDavid storyline and the Matthews storyline and all that kind of stuff. I I think that would be the the most insane matchup that you could have if the Oilers played another Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final. Good to have Rob on the show. Good details. And there's the irony a lot of you listening probably are not fond of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you probably support the Toronto Blue Jays or the Toronto Raptors. And he had quick updates on those clubs as well. It is 747. We're back after a quick break. Hey, thanks for the leopard Cody. Not a problem. Friday night. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Talking about uh, the Washington Redskins, the Edmonton Eskimos, the Cleveland Indians now have initiated plans. I'm just reading this from a story posted online. The Indians have initiated plans to further examine and consider the future of their own name. First day of uh, workouts today in Major League Baseball, the Indians putting out a statement saying, We are committed to making a positive impact in our community and embrace our responsibility to advance social justice and equality. Our organization fully recognizes our team name is among the most visible ways in which we connect with the community. Now, the Indians did uh, get rid of their uh, character logo, the Chief Wahoo logo, beginning in the 2019 season. Um, they did, uh, they replaced Chief Wahoo on their uniforms with a guitar-themed all-star game patch. Of course, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, so they are looking at the game, uh, the name Indians. So we'll see where this uh, keeps going. It could be some big changes for team names that we've become used to in the world of sports, and I'm not saying because we've been used to them that they're uh, they're necessarily right, but this is certainly a story we'll be following in the world of sports. I, I got this note here from the Big L. And as someone who greatly admires people who can run marathons at the speeds the greatest athletes do, this caught my attention. Former marathon world record holder Kenyon Wilson Kipsang has been handed a four-year ban for anti-doping rule violations. He apparently had four whereabouts failures between April of 2018 and May of 2019. He was a bronze medalist at the 2012 Olympics. And if you have these failures, the whereabouts failures, I mean, you have to be at a certain place to get tested, to pee into the cup, so to speak, Uh, that if you keep missing those, They just say, okay, we're going to suspend you. So he was a bronze medalist at the 2012 Olympics. He'd been already provisionally suspended in January for whereabouts failures and tampering by providing false evidence. So this seems to uh, always keep popping up in the world of uh, track and field. Cody Jansen back at the 630 Jet Studios. Cody, are you a runner of any type?
1: I wish, but there is uh, no chance that's happening.
2: Uh, Well, I tell you this. I have uh, been a runner for about 10 years and I I do enjoy it. I mean, I'm going to miss my regular races this year, um, which is uh, the Canada day 15 K that was canceled a couple days ago. Would have been a rainy morning. I always do the half marathon in August, part of the Edmonton marathon weekend. Running is a very interesting thing because the, the people who don't do it, like you just said, sort of, are almost mystified by it. Maybe, like, maybe not mystified, but there's there's a certain, like, would you say you have a certain, like, I, I don't understand it. Like, how do they do that? Is that how you feel about it?
0: No, it's more just my joints talking to me. I mean, I try a okay.
2: Right. See, because running is a joy, but I understand why people, it, and here's the thing. In some ways, the worst people to promote running are runners because, when people see us out running, we look like we're in absolute ag- agony, right? Like if, if you were to ever see me running, you know, I, I'm often down the, uh, the east end of Jasper Avenue or going down into the River Valley, down Grierson Hill, coming up Grierson Hill. And trust me, I really don't look good coming up Grierson Hill. Like, We look like we're in agony right? I mean, we got this twisted expression on our face. We're covered in sweat. We look like we might fall over. I guess maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. So if somebody who's thinking of being a runner sees another runner actually running, they, they automatically think to themselves, oh my God, that looks like torture, which really it isn't. And if you talk to me after a run or if you talk to me about my runs or races I've done, it's great. I, after I run, I always feel great. Even if I do a longer run and it gets tiresome and gets a little tough, I'm always like, I'm glad I did it. But when you see the person actually engaged in uh, the the process of running and you're not a runner, it would make you think, why would I do that? It's kind of how I look at weightlifters. Like You've seen me, Cody, and it's okay to agree with me. I am a puny human being. Would that be a fair assessment? I
1: really took you for a weightlifter when I first saw your read.
2: <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Like, I am a puny human being. So if I run at a rec center and I, and I see somebody lifting whatever, several hundred pounds, even a few dozen pounds, I think to myself, man, that, uh, that I admire that. But, it, but see, they look like they're in pain while they're doing it. But then afterwards they'll say, great lift, felt great, got it going. But when you see somebody in the process of doing it, uh, you know, maybe it's not the greatest ad, but I'll tell you this if you are thinking of becoming a runner, it is rewarding, you will look awful and sweaty while you're doing it, but you'll feel great after. So, there you go. And don't miss peeing in a cup like the Kenyan guy. If somebody wants you to pee in the cup, immediately do it. <laughs> there's the quote of the show. The hard if someone hitting wants a to pee a cup, immediately do it. All right. Cody, great work tonight, buddy. Thanks for filling in to Kellen. Are you around next week or is Kellen back? Kellen should be back next week. All right. That is Cody Jansen, our studio operator this evening. Dave Campbell's a producer of Inside Sports. Fun show tonight. You heard from Al McCoy, 48 years Play by play voice of the Phoenix Suns, Bob Stoffer, Cam Moon, and Rob Leth. Thanks for all your thoughts on the text line. Really appreciated the discussion on the Edmonton Eskimos team name. That's a story that I'm sure we will keep following. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.